everybody, it's Crosstown Conversations, and we are in the middle of what I call the carnival of creativity, because that's what it really is. It's not just a party. It's not just about getting drunk and showing your whatever. It is really about creativity, and everybody gets a chance to do something creative. They all get to do something on their costumes, something with the trinkets, something with the floats, something with a pedicab, whatever. Um, and this gal, um, Heidi... Clay is one of the more creative people I know, and um, she's part of one of these great neighborhood sales where you can just get, you, you never know what you're going to get. You're going to get something creative. So um, first of all, Heidi, before we get started, tell everybody where your sale is and when it is, and then let's talk about it. Okay, Jean, thank you for having us uh, to talk about the sale. This is the 11th annual Tinseltown Mardi Gras. Um, Tinseltown because it's full of lively colors and sequins and you'll see the tinsel at the corner of Cluett, Cluett and Royal. Um, we are this Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until dusk. And so three day sale rolling into Mardi Gras. Um, we'll have between eight and 10 vendors. The sale is run by Mo Lampin, whose designer name is How Pop. She created the Chinseltown sale 11 years ago and comes in for Mardi Gras on Halloween. And Mo is a really interesting designer. She upcycles beautiful old vintage materials and finds that, you know, great fabrics that were cast off that need a modern fashion kind of take. So her work kind of see. She calls herself a line eraser because she's very democratic in her <laughs> thoughts and approach. Her 
cuts are very um, intriguing and unusual. And she combines a lot of different textures and colors that provoke conversation. So when you wear a Halpop piece, you will likely have someone ask you about it. Um, very fun, a little punk rock, um, some by more beautiful diaphanous fabrics as well. So yeah, Mo is heading this up. I will be there with some of my own vintage collection and so a lot of the great headpieces. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's She has live music as well at three o'clock on Friday. So um, it's always a fun group of people. So again, it's at the Tigerman Den. I didn't mention the name of the venue. It's right at the corner of Cluett and Royal, 3113 Royal Street and across from the cafe there. So um, Tigerman's been very kind to host us for now for 11 years. Wow, 11 years. Well, uh, do you agree with me that, um, you know, again, that Mardi Gras is not just a party, that it really is a kind of, you know, time, a showtime for everybody's creativity. It really brings out the creative in all of us. And a lot of people don't think they're creative. I can't tell you how many times people will say, oh, I can't, I'm not art at all. I can't do art at all. And then they'll say, hey, I tie dyed this shirt. That was my nurse today was saying that, who came to visit my husband. And um, so I think it's true that uh, it, it's just a great opportunity for people to express themselves. What is one of your favorite costumes or treats or trinkets that you've ever seen from Mardi Gras? Um, you know, I agree with you about the creativity. I think um, when you talk about favorites, I love seeing each people out in the street where they've really gone to a lot of trouble to put together an original outfit. I think um, it's hard to say a favorite. My, I would say, you know, one thing I would like to say in response to your question, Jean, is that I think New Orleans draws people to it because of its carnival costuming tradition which is pervasive throughout the whole culture all year round, even outside of Mardi Gras, as you know, people costume in the streets because it it just has that French kind of, it was a French that brought this to New Orleans and really um, sparked the carnival spirit. Um, so my favorite part about it is that people find the magic in it. They might even see something as they're going along in the street and pick it up and add it. Um, one of the things our sale I like is that we also have accessories and little pieces that, you know, it starts to become a very organic process where you see, a, you start with a color and then you pull together things. And I find New Orleans a magical place. I think New Orleans herself, I see it as kind of a female energy place in the sense that she's very giving. And I think you find what you need sort of in New Orleans. She, it's a loving place that gives back. And so Carnival allows you to really be, like you say, original and creative. Um, what, what do you say to people who are afraid of New Orleans? Because, you know, there's always, actually, ever since the city's beginning, a lot of people don't know the early history, but I remember when I used to be kind of a, a, a fan of Westerns, you know, and I, did, I went through that cowgirl phase, right? And, um, and, and New Orleans popped up in all those stories about the, the Wild West, because people would come here down the river for gambling and for everything else crazy that goes on here. And, but now it's gotten a little bit more um, lethal because we don't have as much economy going as we should. And if we did, and if our education system maybe was a little bit better, uh, maybe we wouldn't be having the problems we're having. But what do you say to people who are afraid of the city? Um, you know, I say come experience it for yourself and maybe find some activities that um, and locals, if you can meet a local um, and don't pay attention so much to the news. You know, I've lived here myself on and off for 20 years now. And I, um, I think the, the people are really amazing. And there's a freedom in New Orleans that's very different than the rest of the country. And maybe that can be a little daunting for people. But I think the joie de vivre and the, you know, what we talk about of just New Orleans is not a place that says no. It's very much a yes place. So you can't go too far in terms of your costume or, you know, your however you want to do it. New Orleans is never going to say it's too much. So that might be a little daunting for people, but I think it's fun once they get here and maybe find a local or find, 
you know, there's every, yeah, I would say don't let the news dissuade you because it's a beautiful place. It's very loving and the people are wonderful, very uh, welcoming. I've never found a place more hospitable than New Orleans. Totally I mean, agree I, with that. Yeah. 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 So I would say don't let fear is the cheapest room in the house, as they say. And, you know, don't don't relegate yourself to the fear, you know, come and, and discover New Orleans, even outside of carnival season is very joyful. But I there agree. is another sale I want to draw your attention to, Jean. It's a okay. costume bazaar on Saturday. It always lounge. It's the 30th annual costume bazaar. And it's a lot of designers and headpieces as well. That's at St. Claude Avenue, 2240 St. Claude. And it's been going on for years as well with local designers. So two sales this weekend. Tinseltown down at 3113 Royal at the corner of Cluett and Royal. Friday, Saturday, Sunday from 11 till dusk. And then the costume bazaar at Always Lounge, which is at the corner of Marigny Street and St. Claude. So, All right. Now tell me, uh, uh, give me the good news or the bad news here. Is the hat that you're wearing, which is adorable. I, people can't see all of the feathers. because. Well, this is Oliver Manhattan. It's, she's, um, it's kind of, she will be at the Costume Bazaar and she's one of the, I consider like the real established beautiful hatters who she always uses, you can see beautiful fabrics, really rich and lush. Um, Oliver Manhattan, she's been an inspiration and a muse to me for years. Um, I make some hats myself, but she will be at the Costume Bazaar. She also has, a parlor at the corner of St. Claude and Bartholomew, her own salon. And she is one of the great creatives in the city who also does costumes, but notably her hats are just fabulous. So she will be there on Saturday at always. Let me ask you exactly what your um, favorite uh, way to do Mardi Gras day is. So as a, as a, uh, both a native, well, as someone who's lived here a long time, but who's who's experienced other places. Um, how, how do you plan out your Mardi Gras day? So I, I leave a lot to spontaneity and letting the magic of Carnival Day guide me. But I do like to start, um, I try and get out of my house before nine and what? join St. Anne. If I can get there kind of in the Marigny, I usually meet up with friends in St. Anne. Um, sometimes there's a couple friends in Marigny, but I like to also catch Zulu um, around Basin Street on Orleans, where Basin comes around and goes to Claiborne. So um, I try and do a few things. I always try and see the tail end of Zulu because I love to see the Black Carnival and the energy and the kids and the, you know, just the spirit of all sides of the city. I definitely go in the French Quarter along Royal Street. Um, I'm all about the costumes and just seeing that, especially if you have a sunny day, the, the sequins and the, you know, tool and the sun just, my first Mardi Gras I remember was the year after Katrina and it was the most glorious year. We had that perfect weather. It was almost as if, you know, God had smiled down on New Orleans and blessed Carnival, you know, it was just, so, but I try and leave it up into the magic of the city and the day and not were you, here, were you here the year we had the police strike and there were no parades and we all just no, wandered around everyone. No. That was that was a whole different kind of Mardi Gras. And it was no, it I think was that fabulous. was back in 1979. That was almost you know yeah. before my time really there. Um, I, I don't remember what year it was, but it was one of my favorite Mardi Gras because you know it was it, it was just as you say, it wasn't so structured. You just got out and wandered. I met more people that day that I still know and are still friends than ever. It was just an amazing day. Well, I uh, hope you have an absolutely glorious Mardi Gras. Is there any one thing that you're selling that um, uh, we should crave and I, I need to get there early to get? Um, you know, how pop is amazing. She's coming in with, uh, like 80 new pieces. So Whoa. I would say coming oh on Friday, if you can, would be great to see that. Um, some hats, uh, I've got a few hats. I really am happy about that are real tool and sort of ethereal Mardi Gras, but, um, there's a lot, you know, rain also is there outfitting by rain and he has a marvelous collection of every, you know, bejeweled apolette, you might want to add to your costume, or if you need just jewels, 
if you need supplies to kind of augment your outfit. So right. yeah. Well, I look forward to it. I'll definitely hit one of your sales because your sale last year made my Mardi Gras. I think it was last year. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. I know that it was a uh, Katrina um, year. And so Tannen and I just kind of held court on our porch. And I had my, um, I had just a top that was just covered with Billy beads and, and little creative pieces that I had grabbed from your sale. So I'm looking forward to it. You have a blast. And um, everybody, I'm telling you, don't miss these sales. All right. One more time on the address and time. Okay, so Tinseltown is Friday, Saturday, Sunday at 3113 Royal corner of Royal and Cluett Street in Bywater and the Costume Bazaar on Saturday from one to six, or maybe it's 12 to six, I could have that a little off. That is at Saint at the Always Lounge, St. Claude Avenue, right around Maroney Street, the corner, Always Lounge this Saturday. So Tinsel right. Town in the costume. Thank here you, comes, Jean. Here comes our carnival of creativity. I'll be out there. Look Thank forward you so to seeing much. you. Look Thank forward you so to seeing much. you. All Happy right. Birthday. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
right. So let me introduce you. This is Luther Gray. Um, He has too many titles, so I'm going to let him pick one for you. But he is a creative. He's not originally from here, but he might as well be because I don't know, maybe maybe actually somebody, uh, you know, somehow slipped something into the mix somewhere where you were because you're so New Orleans. I can't think of you as any other way. But um, he's a drummer, a percussionist, a music producer, a festival producer. I don't know everything, but he's going to tell us about it. Luther, what I'm telling folks today is that I really believe that Carnival is a celebration of creativity. It's not just about drinking, getting drunk and and showing you whatever. It is really about, it's about creativity and it's shown in so many different ways. And it's a time when anybody can be creative. They can come up with a new costume idea. They can come up with some kind of way to move around. They can come up with some trinkets that they can sell, um, or maybe they're part of some big old float parade. It's just a time when we can all express our own creativity. And I, don't you think that's great? I think it's, I, I, I'm really glad you, you, you framed it like that because this whole city is based on creativity, you know, and, and Mardi Gras is like the, the pinnacle of it, but it goes on all throughout the year as well. You know, so we got so many great traditions that you just mentioned. And uh, and like you say, it's, it's like you, people go out for Mardi Gras parades and the people wanting to catch breeze, they got on costumes too. So, you know, <laughs> every everybody's, everybody's getting dressed up to do something during carnival season, that's for sure. And, you know, um, I think one of the unique things about it, too, is uh, I just did an interview with somebody else who was talking about the French influence, uh, but I think she totally forgot about all the other influences, including the Native American, including the African, including the um, German and, and Irish and Jewish and the whole mess. We're, all of it, all of it is, is, is here. It's just it's. Um, it's uh, I think that and it shows when you look at the costumes, you can you can see all the different threads. Sure, I can. And like you say, uh, the roots of it, uh, like, you know, like the whole thing about the Mardi Gras Indians, where the roots of that is indigenous First Nations people, you know, blending together with the Africans, uh, you know, the African traditions as well. So. Like you say, it's just a melt, a beautiful melting pot. And it's so unique. I think New Orleans is so unique in that. I mean, I've been to Trinidad for Carnival. That's pretty crazy too now. I mean, so, you know, they, they got characters just as well. So I, I wonder, and it's now just a North American thing. It's a Caribbean thing as well, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, tell me, you know, I'm, I've never been to Mardi Gras anywhere else, so I really feel like I'm missing out. One of these days, I'm going to stop trying to do too much work and, and enjoy myself and go see some of the other celebrations. But what is Trinidad like in comparison to New Orleans? Trinidad has what they call mass camps. So like uh, they have like they have competitions on who's got the best uh, float. You know how we have floats, like, you know, the Mardi Gras Indian float, I mean, like the Mardi Gras floats, people, you know, they're pulled by, you know, trucks and stuff like that. When in Trinidad, the people are inside of it. Like, people make the whole thing move, you know? So it, that's huge, but it's basically, uh, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the people themselves move it. They're not motorized so much. And then right. they got all these characters. They got the fancy sailors. The, they got people dressed up as fancy sailors. You got the, the masked Indians. I mean, they got all kind of tri- they got all kind of characters as well. So, but it's kind of based a lot in what you know, Central American and South American traditions as well. I haven't been to Brazil. And I understand that's crazy. I know. I hear that one's wild too. <laughs> What um what are what are you guys doing? Uh, uh, you do so many performances in Congo Square. Are y'all doing anything during Mardi Gras? Uh, we're gonna be out there this Sunday, leading up to Mardi Gras. We'll be out there in Congo Square this Sunday from three to six p.m. So we invite people to come on out and get ready as we ramp up to uh, you know Super Tuesday. And on Mardi Gras day, we'll be with the Guardians of the Flame in the Lower Ninth Ward in the Musicians Village area. That's where like the young people in the neighborhood, they parade through that area as well. So uh, so that's always fun to see as well. That's what well, Sharice well, Harrison Nelson and the Guardians of the Flame. 
I'm going to come back to that in just a minute because I want to hear more about that, but I want to go back to Congo Square for just a minute. So I know that you've been doing that a long time. How did that get started? Okay, they got started, well, like I think it was like 19, 1987, something like that. Uh, well, the group that I was in, the Percussion Incorporated with Kenyatta, Simon, Kufara, Mouton, Ahmad Sharif, we applied for a grant to Jazz and Heritage uh, to do drum workshops in Congo Square. And so we, we, got, we got some money to do it for like, four, the, the plan was to do it for four weeks. But when we first when we first wrote the grant, uh, we 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 uh, we wrote in the grant that we were gonna we wanted to do the drum workshops in uh, public housing like the Lafitte or the uh, or the, the public housing that's in Cheme area, and so when we went to the when we went to the uh, councils the, the neighborhood councils in the in the in in, 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 the, in the in the in those areas, they said they were tired of people getting grants. To come into public housing to teach, to teach people stuff they already know, and we say, "Oh, you're right." Because, like, when you think about it, social and pleasant clubs, baby dolls, brass bands, Indians—all of that comes out of Treme and out of indigenous working class people. And so we said, "Oh Lord, we, we apologize for even thinking." You know, it was, it was our error. So we said, "Well, we asked. We said to ourselves, maybe let's, let's just go to Congo Square." So, uh, so that was like so after after like four weeks of doing it in Congo Square, you know, we had little children, we had girl, women, we had guys, you know, and so at the end of the fourth week, we tell everybody, well, thank y'all for coming out. It was a good, you know, uh, thank y'all. We really had a good time. They said, y'all not coming next week? Well, we coming back next week. What y'all going to do? So... So then it was like it was like the community said, "Keep it going." And so we was all I love that. while we were out there, we was noticing like it was, you know, the park wasn't really being kept up so much. So we yeah. called Park and Parkways, and I think the lady's name, uh, what was her name back in the day? Yeah, I know who you mean. In the country, was that in anyway. Mark? Huh? Was that in Mark's administration? Yeah, it was. Like, yeah, it was Morel's. It was Morel's. Uh, she, yeah, what was the name of the woman who ran Park and Parkways, who didn't want your stones around Lee Circle? An older lady, <laughs> an older lady, I forget, it'll come to me in a minute. Oh, no, I know who you mean, Flo Shorenstein. Yeah, Flo Shorenstein. Right, so right. We, okay. I, call, I got Flo Shorenstein on the phone, I said, well, you know, we noticing up here, you know, like, the, we see human feet, we see feces and broken bottles, and, and so we said, uh, we were just checking in to see you know, what's going on? She said, well, uh, park and park, we just can't keep up with everything. So people are adopting. These are people are adopting parks or neutral grounds. She said, so do y'all want to adopt Congo Square? So we Oh, said, okay. Now I got said, it. Okay. Yeah. She <laughs> said, well, what's the name of your organization? Well, we didn't have an organization. We said, uh, okay, we're the uh, Congo Square Foundation. And so that's how we got started. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that I I never asked that question before. I'm so glad I asked it. Now I know the truth about that. That's great. And you know, I I'm totally. Thank you, Flo Shorenstein. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, and thank you, Luther, because uh, you really do keep the flame burning, as they say. Now tell me about this other one in the ninth ward because um, that sounds really interesting with the young young kids. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, the whole neighborhood of the uh, of the in, in the ninth ward, the musicians' village, of course, you know, which was established after Hurricane Katrina. Right. So, uh, you know, Sharice, uh, her family lives in that in that neighborhood. So, she's a school teacher. So she always liked to work with children. So over the years, she was she was recruiting children to start the, the tribe called the Young Guardians of the Flame. Because her dad, you know, the big chief Donald Harrison Sr. He had the guards of the flame, and he, you know, he passed away uh, a few years ago. And so she wanted to carry on his tradition, and so she started the Young Guardians. And so their territory was the parade through through that neighborhood. And so that's what they're going to be doing. This uh, probably about eight, nine, ten o'clock in the morning on Mardi Gras day, we're going to be coming through uh, that neighborhood with the young people, masked as as masked Indians as well. Oh my God! I, I, what time is that going to be, and exactly where do you start? 
we start we start at Sharice's house and we and then we get to the musicians village. Uh, I don't have that area, I don't have the address right in so front of me. So it's best to just tell folks to go to the musicians village. Yes, like me to say musicians village, exactly. Okay. You know, um we're, we're one of the projects that I'm working on, one of the things we're trying to do is develop a map that shows all of the creative sites. So not just like um say Congo Square but uh, all other places throughout the city where artists are making things or musicians gather to play or theatrical events happen, or maybe it's just somebody's home that happens to be a place that people hang out and do creative stuff. Um, uh, is, it, what's the closest thing to something like that that includes all the Mardi Gras Indian second line organizations and um, marching groups and so on. I mean, is there something that's already out there that I could access? Because what we've done is we've just kind of grabbed from here and there and, and, and pulled everybody that we got. We already got a huge number of you know, cultural sites around the city, but we want more. And we also want to encourage, you know, they have all this thing about live music outdoors. Well, I think it's great and I want to see it happen more and more neighborhoods. But I think it's unfair if it's like right next door to somebody's home and they have to listen to like commercially paid for weddings. You know what I mean? So um, I think we should have places that are identified as like Congo Square. As my husband says, he says there should be a Jackson Square or a Congo Square everywhere in the city. So uh, don't you don't you think that would be amazing if we had places where it's like this is a place where you can come and play your music. This is where you can do your theatrical events. This is where you can have a, a sale of your costumes, whatever. But, you know, to encourage places so that maybe we take the pressure off those really pure residential areas where people, you know, don't necessarily want to listen to Sweet Home Alabama every weekend. Oh, <laughs> Uh, that, that that's a good idea. Uh, I I don't I think that New Orleans is really, as as I, I look at it, it's more like you know, it's not. I think people like it's more like it's even smaller than neighborhoods. It's like people have like you know like if, you know like a block. If, yeah, you got blocks, right? So people organize like that. So I really think that I think that, you know the whole thing about having. It constants on your on your on your porch. That that just came under the pandemic. Yeah, it's caught on, you know. So I think we just keep adjusting to things. But I think just the beautiful things, like you know, there's over, I think, forty Indian tribes and forty social and pleasure clubs in the city. So so I think that pretty much people themselves have it's like a grassroots type of organizing that's going on. Yeah, so I, I really I really can't. I, I really. Yeah. Don't, yeah, I know. You know, I hear you. I hear you. Not only that, but you definitely have like all kinds of little marching groups. Every everybody now has their own little marching group. Know. You know, the, the the tradition has spread out from the legacy, from the uh, literally the culture bears from old time to um, anybody who wants to get ten people together and get into some crazy costume and go out and march and beat their drums, they do it. That's what that is about New Orleans. It really is, such, it's just such an incredible, it's, it's really, it makes me sad that we have the problems that we have because we, we're not investing in and supporting that enough. And I know that you're in the same place with me on that because I know that you've been, um, so to speak, beating the drum, not just to make music, but to try to get the, the sense of getting more support for our performers and our, our creatives. What, what's your latest thinking on the thing that we could do that would be most helpful to that? Because, you know, we've been working on this plan for the creative economy and we're still trying to come up with that idea that will make a difference, that will pull more support and funding support in. Uh, yeah, you all have been doing a great, a great job organizing. I get through the pandemic and even before that. Uh, I know I, I've been involved with the Save Our Souls Coalition with the whole movement uh, behind uh, City Hall not becoming, moving to the municipal auditorium. And so we, we were able to be victorious in that, in that fight uh, against you know, Mayor Cantrell's uh, 
uh, her plan to do that. And so I really kind of think to, to uh, me, me being in Congo Square is that once we can move to get Miss Auditorium back as a, a, a place where uh, you have concerts and you have vendors and uh, it, it can be more activities going on out there on a daily basis as well. So I think that's one area that we see we really want to uh, uh, raise up as a central place because uh, I think what we found in, in African-American neighborhoods is that uh, the, tourist, the tourist industry basically does not cross Rampart Street. You know, so people coming to New Orleans, they come for like an experience to get, you know, to get some gumbo, to see some Indians, catch a second line, catch some jazz, and all of that. But all of, all of the income of that stays downtown and, and in the French Quarter, even the Essence Festival, that's at the Superdome and at the Convention Center. So I really think that we have to like, I think in our communities where we see more and more, you know, carjackings and things like that, is that, is that it's really gonna, it's important for us to, to uh, have courses, I mean, like ha have, have a di direction for young people that can really exercise their talent. And they don't have to like do these other things to say, well, what, you know, everybody has, has a unique fingerprint. So I really think that nuance is so creative as it is, and like you say, if we can even multiply that even more and bring more, our young people more into it so they can make money and be creative and not be destructive to themselves and to our communities. I couldn't agree with you more. And I really hope um, we have to talk about this more offline in terms of what that coalition project is doing and see if we can get them to focus on the art side because they haven't really focused on it yet they haven't focused on the culture i'm not saying they don't know that it's important and that it's a part of it but um they're, and they're supporting a lot of youth programs but not so much focused on the culture and i think we have to uh, try to take things in that direction Lucy, you and i got to talk a little bit about this we got to put our heads together on it right those two things go together that's for sure there you go I love that you took time out in the middle of all this. And um, I, so this Sunday, again, you'll be out there in Congo Square about what time? Three o'clock. We out there every Sunday, unless it's a parade or a dog parade or a festival, we out there every Sunday at three o'clock. And, you know, at first we, we, we were doing it at different times. We are doing a, we, a lot of our research. We found that the gatherings in Congo Square hundreds of years ago started at three o'clock because you know what happened at three o'clock in New Orleans uh, in the 1700s? No, the what? Church, the, the church bells would ring. Oh. St. Cathedral, the church bell would ring. And so that meant that at, at three o'clock, that church was over. So that was the one day in the cold noir that black enslaved Africans didn't have to work on Sundays. So at three o'clock, they could gather to do things. And so, you know, we would we would we would jump in at twelve o'clock, one o'clock, and we start to re we see this research. But the time is three o'clock. And so, what we find out is this: it might be raining in New Orleans all day on Sunday. But we find when it gets three o'clock, the rain is past. It's not. It doesn't rain right. on Sunday. Right. Yeah. So we really we really kind of feel like that's the ancestors. That's something in the magic of the city as well. Three o'clock is right. a magic time on Sundays. Well, somehow nature is a part of our story, right? We keep forgetting about nature's part of the story, but it's there. Exactly. exactly. Oh, Luther, I miss you. I haven't seen you in too long. Um, you know, I think now that Tannen's out of the hospital, we're going to try to get out a little more and I, I'm, we're going to come see you. And I, I can't believe that we haven't been out there um, in so, so long and uh, in, in Congo Square. And uh, we're going to make a point of getting there. And by the way, people can come and they can play drums too, right? Right. They can play drums. We have extra drums that we let people play. So, you know, if you have a drum, bring it. If you don't, you can use one of ours. So that's, that's the good. And it's, it's three things we do on Sundays in Congo Square. We drum, we dance, we pay homage to our ancestors. So those are the three things that we do every Sunday. And I um, have a, a handful of things that are important to me in the city and, and uh, Luther Gray is one of them. Luther, thank you so much. Thank y'all. Happy, happy Carnival. Yes, thank right. you so much. <laughs> have a great time. I'm looking thank forward you. to it. All thank right, you. you take care. All right, peace. Bye, peace.
Now it takes me a minute to shut down, so don't worry about it. I'll get it down. I'm doing it on my phone because um, the, my, both my computers are, I don't know, AWOL. All right, All right. talk to you later. Peace. Take All care. Right. Bye. I know that we can. 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 I know that we